0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It is live here on Bob Long Sports, housed on the Sports Stream Premium Network, run by our buddy Bruce Badgley. Appreciate him being our home for the Nittany Lions Sports Report this year. My co host, Tyler Gellhouse, we come to you to talk about another loss against a top 10 foe in a game where Penn State had an opportunity to win the game. And Tyler, as we reflect, On this game against Michigan, the regular season is nearing its conclusion here. Just two games remaining. What's left? Nittany Lions, six and four. Three games lost against top ten teams where you had a chance in every one of them. And then the game that will, the black mark will never escape this program and this coaching staff, fortunately or unfortunately, the loss against Illinois. So why don't you tell us where you are? After what you saw on Saturday,
1: well, right now I'm in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just you know it, it's frustrating because last year Penn State started zero and five and won the last four, four and five. Got some key guys back. Almost every key player that was you know borderline staying going when it came down. To the um to the draft, um and you know really had some nice momentum. Um, started the season off with a nice win. Didn't look great, but you look at it now, Wisconsin's ranked fifteen, and Penn State went to their house in week one, got the win. Like I said, it wasn't pretty. We're like all right, that's a good way to to come back from last year. You know, take care of business, Ball State. Then you beat Auburn at home, three and o led to four and oh to five and o, and then. It's still it's like that Iowa game totally screwed up this team and they just haven't been able to bounce back. Um, And you could argue that ever since then, the best that they looked was probably against Ohio State. Even though that game ended in a loss, I thought they played really well against Ohio State, Um, played well against Maryland. But that was a pretty close game until the pick six at the end to seal the deal. Um, And then Sunday or I'm sorry, Saturday was was equally as frustrating because at least in the first quarter, it felt like Penn state should have had at least a double digit lead. Um, they had, I think 13 minutes possession compared to two Michigan didn't even get a first down. Um, Penn state had good total yardage and only had three points to show for it. And right then and there, I kind of knew that it was going to be a tough one to pull off because of that. And lo and behold, uh, Penn State wasn't able to hold on to a, a a lead late in the game and ended up losing the six ranked Michigan. We can talk about that call on fourth
0: down. They run the fake punt. Get I, it. I, Continue I, to drive. I, liked it.
1: I mean, the, it was the did first you? drive of the game. Yeah, I did wh- like the wh- fake punt. Um, okay, okay. Now Fair here here's the funny thing about the fake punt. Michigan called a timeout on defense, and. Penn State wasn't set to run the fake at first. And then after the timeout, they go out and say, all right, we're going to run the fake. But Michigan didn't even really look like they were ready to, to defend the fake. So it worked out in Penn State's favor. Unfortunately, it only led to three points. You know, three is better than zero in that situation. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, seven would have been ideal. Uh, but really the next possession was a frustrating one for me. Was the fake field goal at the two yard line? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's three nothing first quarter still. You're moving the ball pretty well. Running the ball, not so great. It's been a story all year. But I don't understand going for a fake field goal. And it it wasn't run to perfection. It was a bad, you know, toss, pass, whatever you want to call it, the Jordan Staff from the holder. But I think in that situation, one, you either take the points, make it six nothing, or If you're going to go for it, go for it. it, Because I think you have a better chance of scoring a touchdown with your offense than you do with your special teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I I don't love the call because
0: you have all these playmakers and you throw it to Uh, Jordan's staff. Even if you're in Philly, Philly, you know, Tyler Warren throws it to Clifford. We saw that in the first overtime against Illinois. I, I get it. That's quirky but that's quirky in a way that's getting your playmakers involved.
1: Yeah, I just I don't understand taking the ball out. Um look, if you want to kick it in that situation that early in the game, I'm okay with it. You know, six nothing. I mean, but you to sh- to show nothing, you know, after that, you get nothing out of it. So, mm-hmm. um I w- I don't know what play I would have run on offense. Um you know, they have no confidence in a run game, the O-line, and that's understandable, uh, but it just – it didn't make sense. And they had a really good opportunity in this game to jump on Michigan big early, and they didn't. And and that is one of the reasons they lost the game. You know, it's very interesting, and I'm not sure if it was brought
0: up um, by the broadcast team, but when you run a fake field goal like that in the NFL versus – college so um in college in theory right there's some exception for the down by contact rule
1: right with the holder's knee
0: holding because the knee has to be down because you hold it and then the guy kicks it but in this particular situation it does look like he raised his calf above field level which i guess was practice but what an odd wrinkle and part of a trick play like that, frankly, that shouldn't be run anyway, but to have to get that ball snapped and has the holder that's throwing it, raise your calf up off the ground and deliver that ball. I don't really know. Not sure we need to talk in depth about that, but just something I thought about watching that and just the unique nature of uh, not needing to be down by contact, but just down when your knee touches. So right. Once that is designed as a fake, once that kicker vacates the area of the three steps and address the football with your right foot, um, if the holder has the knee on the ground, when is he technically down? Is it as soon as Jordan Stout breaks? Is it outside of some sort of
1: tackle box, quote, unquote? I, I, that's a good question. I don't know because I've always thought about that because you see it all, you see it all the time. And you're like, well, he's technically down right i mean but um i don't i I really don't know the official ruling on that again very just not super
0: important um i I was calling a high school game of of uh you know several guys that are going to go to penn state or could go to penn state in a couple of years abdul carter one of them and there was a play where there was pass interference in the end zone it was second down and eight from the seven, from the nine-yard line or something. So you could get a first down without getting a touchdown. And I actually learned that in high school football, that's not an automatic first down. It is at every other level of football, but it remains what? second down half the distance to the goal. For what, what was the penalty? Uh, pass interference in the end zone. Just like in college, it's not a spot foul. You don't spot it at the one-yard line. Sure. Half the distance. But the difference is in high school – it's not an automatic first down the way you'd see it at the college or pro level. So, oh, you know, how about that, several little rules quirks mm-hmm. that we experienced this weekend. One of which, you know, we were talking about with that fake field goal again. Didn't matter. It was a brutal play call. And, you know, I, I don't know what I would have done there. I probably would have gone for it. Right. I, I do think you get down there. I think you run your best play. To score from the two yard line in a condensed and think,
1: field, and I think you you go for it because you don't get it. Okay, Michigan gets a ball at their own two yard line, right? You know but I mean? Instead, right? Instead, he fumbles you it, and... no, you get nothing <laughs> out of it, and they get it at the thirty. So, yeah, yeah, it was disastrous. Um, so that that I certainly had a problem with. Um, I don't know. The offense just. Look, Michigan's got a good defense, um, but it just felt like, like, like some of the other games this year, they were just lacking a spark. And if they don't get it from Jahan Dotson, um, who are they going to get it from? I mean, Parker Washington had a nice play where he took a shorter pass and went like forty yards. Um, but I mean, they struggled. They struggled to find the end zone. Um, what, what they only score? They only scored once, right? touchdown yeah right right and it was it was on what a fourth down and goal um i think it was fourth down and and third or fourth and they threw it to um Tyler or is Hall. that right or did or did they get two
0: touchdowns
1: final score well, was 21 17 well no because they went for two so they they had the yeah. two field goal yeah,
0: yeah yeah went for
1: two to make it 14 and then after the katie strip sack fumble yeah um they were only able to right. get another field goal so again yeah, i I think the red zone offense has been terrible all year. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that was on full display in the Illinois overtime. Um, but which I mean, is
0: ironic because you, the defense in the red zone has been one of the best in the country. Yeah,
1: they have been. And it and um, I guess looking back at it, I know Jordan Stout also missed the field goal from like 40 yards or so. So between that and his and their decision to go for two or not go for two to, to do the fake field goal, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, six points right there. I mean, that changes some things. Um, but he also, yeah, like make, the final score. Right. And he also, <laughs> potentially also did, the result of the game. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not putting it on Jordan Stout for missing the kick and all that, but they just, they, they weren't, the running game looked better with Keevon Lee. Um, I mean, my gosh, I haven't even talked about it yet. Michigan's defensive ends had a field day against Sean Clifford. I think they got to him seven or eight times. Clifford was banged up big time. Um, James Franklin said as much today in his press conference. And those those defensive ends, Ojabo and Hutchinson, are very good. I mean, probably might be the best tandem in all of college football. Um, Those two defensive ends. If not, they're right up there um Penn State's offensive line continues to struggle and I feel like every year at the beginning of our our show before the season starts where is this year the offensive line can finally you know improve and and be a strength and not a weakness and for the eighth year under James Franklin it's still a weakness and you know they got bailed out with a couple of good real you know with Saquon Barkley made the line look better than they were when he was here. And McSorley, too, was scrambling. And even Clifford at times. But, you know, now it's it's really becoming evident this year, especially with, like, the running backs struggling a lot. Um, I mean, he was on his back a lot on Saturday, Sean Clifford. One thing that I, I do feel a little
0: bit more confident in is this Michigan team – is not a realistic college football playoff contender. Now, I'll walk that back immediately after saying it. They're to a point in the season where they just need one result against Ohio State to get there. And they're going to beat them one of these days, aren't they? I I don't think so. I mean, (laughs) I don't think so. The point is they're one result away, and that one result is extremely unlikely. It's at Uh, home this year for Michigan. Great. Uh, you know, and and it also makes me think about Penn State. Again, the difference between seven and five and eight and four is merely aesthetic at this point. May, maybe gets you to a slightly higher tier bowl game, but New Year's Six is off the table at this point. Oh, God. I, I think that they have a very good chance to beat Michigan State, though, Tyler, in two weeks. Well,
1: I actually think, and, and you know what, it, a lot of it depends on – where they are mentally um, but I think they match up pretty well against Michigan State I mean when we get to Michigan State I know Michigan State likes to run the ball a lot with Kenneth Walker um, but I think that's the strength of Penn State is stopping the run and yeah, um, unless they're playing Illinois that's it yeah and I I, I think they have a ch- I, I really still do think they have a chance to go eight and four um, and listen after a five and zero start Right now what they're one and four after going five and oh it's it's been the tale of two seasons. Um, it's frustrating, but you know, if they can somehow win these next two and then go to a decent bowl and win and win that, and now you're looking at nine and four it's it's not as great as you once probably drew it up, but it's also not as bad as it could have been either. mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. When when you take an
0: approach like we do as podcast hosts here, uh, and you take the approach of super fans within the Penn State community, lifers, if you will, this is about building a program. And totally acknowledged, Tyler, this was a year where Penn State had an opportunity to potentially go to the college football playoff. How would that have been accomplished this year? Well you should have won that game against Michigan I think if they're you know 8 and 1 they might have won that game against <laughs> Michigan you beat Iowa you would have beaten Illinois again and and more and more of these games oh. happen you're not going to win all those games but if you're sitting 11 and 1 with a tough loss to Ohio State on the road and you just hope on the last day of the selection committee maybe but again at the end of the day this team isn't built for the college football playoff yeah it would take good circumstances, a win over Ohio State. Uh, just It would have taken a lot for that to happen. However, however, I think that at the end of this year, you take the individual peaks and troughs of this year and take that out and you look at kind of where this program is, was versus is. I, you know, I, I do believe that if you expand the chart, it's been a gradual growth. Uh, and I know the wins and losses may not tell you that, but I'm talking about recruiting. I'm talking about the quality of the coordinators that are at Penn State now versus four years ago. I'm talking about you know the engagement of the fans. The one thing I'm not quite sure is is the loyalty of James Franklin, um, because I think everything else is actually going the right direction. Facilities improvements, um, Penn State standing within the Big Ten East, right? M- M- Michigan by no account is is in a better place in Penn State at this point Michigan State has fallen off big time Penn State is in a better spot now than it was four years ago just bones structural foundational I get it right like Trace so you're McSorley saying not and, and not
1: based off of the results from this just season the wins and losses
0: yeah not even just the wins and losses, because again they're not going to win as many as they did when McSorley and Barkley were there and no they don't have a Trace Saquon Barkley or a Trace McSorley but they might They might have Nick Singleton. They might have Drew Aller guys. They might have Bo Perbula. You know, one of a couple of those guys could be the difference. And I, I think that as long as the train can stay moving here, and this is going to be a bit of a controversial opinion, but if they can just maintain James Franklin as the head coach and somehow maintain the enthusiasm because he seems a bit exasperated with the whole situation, I think if you take the forest from the trees, things are actually really good right now. Uh, not to win a college football playoff game in twenty twenty one twenty twenty two, but to be in a better spot than they were in twenty sixteen in terms of program directionally, yeah, yeah, well, I think so. It,
1: I hope. I mean, I hope you're right. I just, I, I'm really these these close losses um, over the years. I mean. I can't think, and I don't follow any other team as closely as I do Penn State, but the sing, like the close, nail-biting losses, the double-digit leads blown, the leads within the last couple minutes of a game, I mean, they're really starting to take a toll on me. I mean, I just added it up in my, in my head real quick. Iowa, Illinois, and Michigan, three losses by a combined nine points. Mm-hmm. You throw Ohio State in there. That was a nine-point loss. So you have four losses by a total of eighteen.
0: Now, and so you're saying that's good
1: or bad? Well, I'm saying like if you're going to have four no, no, losses, so I'm saying it's I'm saying it's both. And why I'm saying it's both is the I'll, I'll give you why it's good is obviously a lot of teams have more like eighteen points and four for four losses is. Is good, but at the same time it doesn't it doesn't matter because they're four losses. I so believe it doesn't doesn't matter for what. It
0: doesn't matter for making well no, the nobody nobody can, this nobody nobody
1: nobody really right for this year it doesn't matter. But but doesn't that tell
0: you that and then you have a, a more talented crop of recruits coming in next year than you ever have? Yes, but at the doesn't same that time. Tell you that,
1: but we have seen under James Franklin. These types of snowball effects—you lose one close game, and then you come out and lose the next game that you probably shouldn't lose—or that, that is concerning. That—that is that, my thing—is like, and 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 on Saturday, the you know, red zone offense to me was the reason they lost the game. Red zone offense—that's it. Um, yeah, you know, Ebba Katie gets a big strip sack three, you know, four minutes left, whatever it is, after we tied it up. Um and all you can get is a field goal. He set you up at like the 25 yard line. Mm-hmm. And then and then Michigan is down by three. And they they go down like it's nothing in like two minutes and score a 50 yard touchdown. Um yeah. and I guess with with you know they had no business losing Illinois. And I get it the Sean Clifford, but that was a terrible hangover from Iowa. Because really those two games that's would have been season. wins with it, exactly. Um, but it's concerning because the trends of losing. Well, why? Well, so what? Okay, but why was I?
0: Why was Iowa concerning? Right, it was concerning because you didn't have a capable backup. Right? Oh, absolutely. Right. And and Penn yes, State's and, making star, strides to, to avoid that situation in the future. Right. with right. Bo Perbula drew sure, out. Sure.
1: Sure. And 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 they, you know, they. Looked at the transfer portal. There was nothing that they thought was – no player was adequate to come in. And, and you know, and, and that's, that's – the, the one guy, guy we, we
0: – the one guy I talked about was Hendon Hooker, who ended up at Tennessee. He's having yeah. a nice year. But – Yeah. Uh, only but, one guy – only one team gets Hendon Hooker, and he's
1: probably not coming to Penn State if he has to compete against Sean Clifford. Exactly. Um, but over over the years, I mean, it's been kind of the, the common – I mean, they keep showing ESPN – James Franklin's two and 13 against AP top 10 teams, um, which technically they beat Wisconsin this year. And I think Wisconsin was 10 when Penn State beat them. They don't really, for whatever reason, don't count it. I guess it doesn't go against go with their argument. But um it's just it's becoming like an every year thing that all right, they they can't beat ranked top 10 teams, which they can and they have, but not as much as we would like them to. Um, but with that being said, most of the time, the only top 10 team you're really playing is going to be Ohio State, who James Franklin is now one and seven against. But not many people have much success in a Big Ten against them. And if you ask Ohio State fans, who do they least like to play? It's Penn State. Oh, it's Penn. State. No, I, I. Well, but that's the other part of it. If <laughs> you remember 2016, Penn State won. Everybody remembers that? Yep. 2017 and now we're going back a little bit but Penn State two double digit leads yeah. 218 point leads multiple times game blown that was the- Ryan Buckholz out of the game the, they didn't have any yeah. depth
0: on the defense the line they the didn't next, have all their scholarships yeah. that year but the but next yeah.
1: game the next game you lose Michigan State done that's it but yeah. the next year you have Ohio State at home eight you have a 12 point lead with 8 minutes left at home you blow mm-hmm. that so <clears throat>
0: They, You're running on fourth these, and
1: five. <laughs> they've had these games, and for whatever reason, they they either can't close them out, or they just choke it away. And it's it's concerning, especially losing a game like Illinois. That is still the most concerning thing to me because of how bad of a football team they are. I hear it's a bad loss. It's a bad loss. I just. I don't think that Penn State is as in good of a spot as, as I think you portrayed them to be. And I hope you're okay. right. I really do.
0: Um, so, let, I mean, of- let's go through – but let's go through the, the arguments one by one as to why they're not in a good spot, right? So, you talked about runs, red zone offense being really bad. Okay. Um, well you – know, first, first year offensive coordinator, um, do you think he's the guy or, or don't you?
1: I I think he is. I think that there's probably some personnel issues. I don't know if these running backs are the type of fit. I mean, let's face it. It's John Lovett is our home run threat. He is not really impressed at all. Like Mm -hmm. I was expecting a little bit more. Devin Ford really doesn't get on the field. Then you have Kevon Lee and a banged up Noah Kane and they're more power backs that haven't been running with power. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. So I don't know if it's a personnel thing. Could be. I think Singleton fits what your is looking to do offensively. I think he's a good fit. I really do. Um, I think right. he's probably the answer at running back. Um, okay. So that's now, one
0: objection. You right.
1: know, Well, when you. I'm not sure about the, the, the big thing to me still is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Receivers, you can plug and play. I mean. I'm not and they've done an excellent job recruiting wide receivers. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, Jahan Dotson's not going to be here next year. Parker Washington will be. Keandre Lambert Smith will be. You have a Caden Saunders coming in as a freshman. You have a couple other guys who'll probably look through the portal. You're not going to have that one. Wallace mega, and
0: Clifford are so going to be redshirt. Malik Mega.
1: Malik Mega. Yeah. But you're not going to have um, Jahan Dotson. But historically, Speaking with Mike Yuricic's offenses, they have a bunch of different receivers with 500 yards there, 700 mm-hmm. there, 400 there. So I'm not really concerned about that. It's, it's, it's still the run game and the pass protection um, that is that I think is, is really killing this offense. I don't know if it's an offensive line thing. I don't know if it's a personnel thing on the offensive line. I don't know if it's development. I don't know what yeah. it is, but they I'll have give, to get I'll that I'll give fixed. you that.
0: I will give you that because when you look to the future, right? Um, God, I can't even remember his name now. <laughs> That's bad. But Landon Tengwall comes in. Oh, Nate Bruce. Yeah. So, like, you have, two, you only, you have a, already a light room, but you liked the two guys that you had. Landon Tengwall, I think, could be a factor next year. Probably should be given his pedigree. I hope so. And size yeah. and frame. But Nate Bruce quits on you three weeks and uh, three days. I don't know how long, whatever, a week and a half into practice. And so that's the question is where's the pipeline there? And I agree.
1: Not to cut you off, but they have actually recruited interior linemen a lot better, more successfully than the tackles. You have right now Rasheed Walker (laughs) – He's leaving for the pros, I, I think, regardless. I mean, I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion. But mm-hmm. he came back this year hoping to get a fir- – you know, jump into the first round. I mean, he's still a mid-round guy at best, I think, right now. He's not played well. He has not played well against good competition. Um, and then on the right tackle spot, we yeah. have Caden, Caden Wallace, who is a very intriguing lineman. I think he's very good, but he's also a natural – they rated him coming out of high school as a guard. And they still think that's where he's best suited. But because they haven't recruited tackle well enough, they had to put him out at right tackle. And I think, you know, if you could maybe slide him in the right guard next year and have mm-hmm. Tengwall, another guy who probably is better suited for guard, but can play tackle. I think if you can bump in him the right tackle for next year, I think that would be already a um you know, a a better right side of the line, if you will, because you're moving Caden Wallace into more of a natural position. Yeah.
0: What is interesting is to see some of the guys that are still playing in the pros on lines that were very suspect at best, right? Like I saw Connor McGovern this weekend and Ryan Bates gets time and Mm -hmm. they were both fine players, but they they were never on a dominant offensive line.
1: Well, I mean, when's the last time Penn State had a dominant offensive line? That's, I know that's we, the uh, Two thousand eight. I, I mean, it, yeah, and it's uh, you know, it. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I I understand why, but it's it's frustrating because it's it starts three in the coaching trenches. staffs.
0: By the way, that's not that's mm-hmm. not a Frank. I mean, it's not just Franklin.
1: Yeah, it's. Just, I mean, hopefully, here we are. Hopefully, next year they get they get better. I don't necessarily see it, but that's, I'll give you that. I don't, I
0: don't have a good rebuttal to that objection.
1: I I just, I just think that that's really holding them back. Um, you know, I, I really do like your I just, I, I, I'm trying to figure out like, I think in his mind, he knows what he has and what he can do. And I think that's why we're seeing some of the red zone stalls, um, and, and that type of stuff, but I, I still think very highly of him, and would love would love to have him around here for a while, with, with or without James Franklin.
0: Yeah. Any other objections to talk through?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, late in the game, um, going to Cam Sullivan Brown twice on the last possession was a head scratcher. I mean. He's mm-hmm. a nice receiver, but he's also like your fourth or fifth option. Jahan Dodson and hasn't did, been
0: involved in those types right, of situations. Right.
1: Jahan Dodson did get hurt on that second to last play. Couldn't come in. Even if a timeout was called, he still had to sit out that play. Um, I just, I, you have so many other options and you know, like that, that play that they threw to him on the fourth down reminded me of like the fourth and five run against Ohio mm-hmm. state. Like, fade to cam sullivan brown essentially on a fourth and three whatever it was I, I don't know but i don't know why not try to get it to shorthanded parker washington or one of your tight end i you know it just it didn't make sense but um overall i'm okay with your situation. i like them but i was expecting a little bit better results offensively this year but i think a lot of it is personnel yeah,
0: first year guy. Let him get yep. some of his guys in here. Uh, that's, yeah. if, that's if well, that happens, that,
1: right? That, that, that's the thing. It's like coordinators jump a lot, um, and by the time he gets his guys in, <laughs> he's getting his quarterbacks in next year. So, right uh, might be might be off and running for there. But, I mean, we'll see what happens with Clifford, as we talk about a lot. But um, I, I'm interested. I agree. I'm interested to see. Really with Singleton, um, because I think he fits what they're looking to do, and I think, I, I think he's a early enrollee. I'd have to double check that, um, but I really think that he could come in and be the starter by midway through his freshman year.
0: Hmm. Wow, true freshman. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: so because yeah. I think we've seen. I don't know. And that's my other point is this running back room. You know, Jaywan Sider is an unbelievable recruiter. Yeah. Um, mostly in Florida, down south, mostly running backs, but he's been recruiting them well, but they haven't been developing that that well. And um, you know, recruiting's great and all, but if these guys aren't performing on the field, it doesn't really matter, you know, if they're not living up to their to their rating. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with with bringing in Singleton and if he can push some of these older guys. I know there's going to be some movement in that room, but and I think that's good because I think it's getting a little stale.
0: Yeah. I just think expand the expand the chart, right? Expand the duration of the chart you're looking at a little bit. And that's tough to do. We're looking at peaks and troughs this year, maybe even a little bit. Peak and trough downish. If you look at it over the last three years, but mm-hmm. in terms of where things are relative to where they have been, and I think where they're going, if you were to project that part chart going forward, I, I like it. I, I think Penn State does have the right coach in James Franklin. We've talked about that plenty of times here. And you think he's think, gonna? You don't think he's going anywhere? I don't. I don't. The fact that he every time he's asked the question, he talks about look at my track record over the last eight years. I think I've showed my loyalty. I don't know. Is that if he were to leave after saying that part of me, wonders if that that wouldn't be worse than saying, Hey, I, am I plan to be the head coach of Penn state. Right. He's saying, look, I'm loyal. Don't, don't go by my words, go by my actions. And then you leave. I I don't know. Maybe I'm pulling his straws there. I think he stays. I think he has the right offensive coordinator, right defensive coordinator in there, right? Running backs, coach, I think the right offensive line coach. I don't know, though. Um,
1: time's times ticking, I think, already for Trotline. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, I, I will say this. Jimbo Fisher made an interesting comment today. Um, I saw it, yeah. About LSU. Tell, tell, and, the,
0: tell the listeners.
1: Yeah, essentially, to paraphrase, Jimbo Fisher, when asked about the LSU opening, said, you know, I have possibly the top top five class, why would I be recruiting all these kids to A&M just to have them play, get, play against me, for me to play against them at a different school wouldn't make any sense. And, um, you know, I immediately thought of James Franklin because James Franklin, not that he would be leaving for another Big Ten school, but the fact that, yeah, I have, you know, top five class right now, why would I want to leave that? I'm recruiting these kids, and I'm going to go somewhere and start start all over, type of thing. So that's that's where my head went to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Listen, I
0: think what's happening is he's trying to negotiate another salary bump, and again, more so for the assistants, he's trying to generate support from an outgoing AD and school president to continue the advancements of the facilities. He's, he's he talking about three hundred. 65 days a year it takes to compete at this level. That's what he's talking about when he says Yeah,
1: he's going to have a little bit of trouble, I believe, um, with any sort of negotiations. I think Penn State will still, you know, they're going to offer him a nice package, but he hasn't been backing it up on the field as of late. So, I mean, the big picture – yeah, the 2016, 17, 18 seasons were good. But the last 19 games, Penn State's 10 and 9. Um, you know, if he's looking for a bump to make him a top five coach in college football, I guess it's possible. But at the same time, it's kind of like, man, you just lost to Illinois. Um, we're 1-4 we're and four in our, after starting 5-0. and oh, it's, it's kind of a – it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I hear you on all that. I do.
0: I do. I still think you'd you'd rather be Penn State than most other programs in the country right now. I I think the base is there. You know, the old adage, this is more for when coaches are being sought after by other programs. But you know, hire the resume. Don't hire the last, you know, six games that he's coached. And I've probably butchered that saying, but you know, that's what it is. Is You hire the resume and hire the, is this the right guy? Not, did he lose to Michigan last week with a bad fake field goal call? And yes, I do but, think that James but, Franklin but those is losses, the guy you...
1: A lot, the, a lot of the losses are similar that he's had in his career at Penn State. I hear you. And that's resume.
0: Okay. Okay. I, you know, I think they do a lot of really good things. I think they play a ton of top 10 matchups because they're in the toughest division in football. You could call the SEC West that year in year out, but and he acquits himself. I mean, listen, Ohio state fans are telling and Ohio state coaches will tell you, we don't
1: like playing Penn state. It's the toughest I, game we play every year. Yeah, I, 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 agree with that. And, and one thing I will say, and I'm going to, I'm going to not bring up last year because of the whole COVID. It was just a, such a weird year. The one thing I will absolutely give James Franklin credit for is his teams do not get blown out. They don't They don't have blowout losses um, for the most part. I'm sure it's happened here and there, but he generally has them ready to play. The problem is a lot of times they play up to the opponent. A lot of times they play down to their opponent is what I've noticed. Sure. So, I mean, that, and that's a double-edged sword. I think
0: if you did spend enough time around college football, you would find these frustrations with most every fan base. Oh, yeah. At Oklahoma's, a similar level Oklahoma's to
1: frustrated right now with Lincoln Riley.
0: Oklahoma's frustrated. LSU fired their coach two years after winning Florida. Florida the championship. is extremely frustrated. Florida's is frustrated. I mean, they've been in SEC Texas? championship games. Texas. Yeah, I mean, it, they're kind of in a unique situation, right? But, you know, Oregon, horns down. Yeah. Argon's playing great now, but they've been really they, upset with Chris the ball right. in the past. I, I just I think, similar to expanding the duration of the chart, I think you pull yourself up to 30,000 feet and look at the rest of college football. Right. Nobody's well, perfect. They're, they're 18 to 22 year old kids, and, and stuff happens. Um, and I will say, this... is...
1: yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Well, the, the question is is the program moving in the right direction, and is this a guy? that you think can take your program to the consistency and, and the levels it needs to go. I think the consistency is there Uh level they need to go. I'm not sure, but who else, who would, it's not easy. It's Clemson. And now they're off the map for now, Ohio state, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, you know, I guess LSU, uh, that's Notre Dame programs, Notre Dame and, you know what? Every one of those programs, you could argue, have as good of or better football tradition than Penn State. And Penn State's been right on the outside looking in. The last two it, years, no. But to say they won't be back to that level and be competing for kind of second place in the Big Ten Easter, maybe you get a win over Ohio State. They'll, they'll be right back in that position next year.
1: I hope so. I mean, when you talk about next year, the schedule's pretty tough in the, in the early part. Um, especially if they're breaking in a new quarterback and all that. But um, I will say this, you know, you mentioned Georgia. It wasn't long ago that some loyal Bulldogs were calling for Kirby smart. Um, And I I, I hope this is a, just a bump in the road, um, if you will. But I just, I've seen this. And I can't believe it's already his eighth season, James Franklin at Penn State. I mean, Mm -hmm. feels like just yesterday we heard the, a uh, Pennsylvania boy with a pencil whatever he said Penn State heart whatever it was mm-hmm. but um it's been eight years and some things 2016 was awesome and then you know lately hasn't been so great so it's almost like I, I'm just looking for the real James Franklin to you know please stand up as Eminem said
0: yeah maybe it's a good place to leave the discussion. I think it's good to have a I don't even know if it's a
1: disagreement, but well know, and, here, and here we go. We, it. well you know, I think it'll be a much different discussion come next week if God forbid they lose to Rutgers, which well, I don't okay. see happening. I do not see happening, but Rutgers plays Penn State pretty tough. Um Greg Shiano is a very good coach. They play him tough. Um like I said, when we talked earlier, we, we could see this team going eight and four. Um, but at the same time, where are they mentally um, with not much to play for other than pride, you know, at this point?
0: Yep. Yep. I get it. I get it. Well, I think it was a good discussion, Tyler. Anything else you want to talk about tonight? Before um, you shut her down?
1: I'll just give you my I'll give you my prediction for the game. Um, I think it's an 18 point spread last I checked. And I'm going to um, go Penn State 27 to 13. I don't think they cover. They win by 14. I think it's going to be kind of sloppy. It's going to be a quiet atmosphere. The students will be home for, most of them will be home for Thanksgiving break because it starts on Friday afternoon. A lot of them will head home. Uh, it is senior day. Rutgers just smoked Indiana too, um, who was terrible this year. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll say they'll win by 14, and um, it's not going to be that exciting or interesting of a game. I like Sloppy as well. I think
0: Rutgers covers 23 16, I'll call it.
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> well, I, I think Rutgers is going to hang with them. And I just I hope we're not at a discussion where we're saying we lost to Illinois and Rutgers in the same season at home. I'll be more
0: interested in your viewpoint that you presented tonight. If it's a loss, that, that's a promise.
1: That would be an interesting show. Indeed. Mm -hmm.
0: Hopefully we don't have to do it. No, no, hopefully not. But good show, Tyler. Appreciate you being here. Thanks to all the listeners and viewers for being with us here. We'll keep it going through the end of the regular season. He's Tyler Gellhouse. And I'm Bob Long. This has been the Nittany Lions Sports Report on Bob Long Sports and is always housed on the Sports Stream Premium Network. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store.
1: Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford.
0: Nearly 40 years.
1: Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation. Our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dumpy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did.